0: 91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your cars are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and
1: at Jacob underscore Hillman three. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks, as always, as we get set for week one of college football. And we're going to be talking all about it in the first half of the show. But for the second half of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL, you know, some of the cuts that happen. Because that's related to Auburn, as well as Major League Baseball's playoff race. But we're leading off with Auburn football's opening week game against Akron Bay. How ready are you for game day?
0: I am so ready. I mean... Obviously, this week, it's the longest week of the year because you're leading up sure. to game week. I mean, today literally feels like a Friday. Yesterday felt like Thursday to me. I'm a day ahead. How early did you get up today? Uh, I got up at 7 today to come on Compact Discourse okay. this morning.
1: It felt like a game day.
0: It somewhat morning. did. And now, and actually, this is kind of surprising. I thought that the white tents on campus would have been up by now, um, but they're starting to go up today. I think they're doing it now. They're doing it today. And I think that might have been because of Hurricane Irma um Ida or Ida sorry Irma was a while ago Ida (laughs) but uh nonetheless the tents started going up today instead of a few days earlier but yeah I'm ready for game day here's
1: what I'm let's see if the if the game notes are out that we're the Auburn notes are out they are okay it's almost game day it's almost time so Auburn faces Akron in what will be a packed out Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday at 6 p.m. on ESPN plus or SEC Network plus so Figure that out. It's not on traditional TV. If you're trying to watch the game, you need to figure that out before 6 o'clock on Saturday because otherwise it's going to be very hectic. So make sure you know how to log into your TV's app or however you're going to stream it because you've got to do it on the ESPN app, whether on your smart TV, your iPad, your laptop, however that may be. Figure that out before Saturday, and you'll be able to watch the Auburn Tigers begin the Brian Harson era. Or you can listen on the Auburn Sports Network. That is true. Coverage begins at 3 o'clock with the Tiger Tailgate Show, and you can listen to Andy Burcham Stan White at 6 o'clock. But let's talk about the game itself. That's not going to be much of anything, we hope. Yes, Because we hope. Because Akron is one of the worst, one of the worst teams in
0: college football. Yeah, so I guess biggest thing going into this weekend, obviously, besides it being uh, the first game of the Brian Harson era, I mean, Harson has a 76-24 career record. Um, And he was 69-19 and in his seven seasons at Boise State, where he just recently came from. Um, I mean, my thing is, I know that it's been a completely new system. So overall, looking at it in a macro perspective is going to be seeing as clean of a game as you can get with a brand new coach, both sides of the ball. I think that's going to be a lot easier said than done for the defense than it is for the offense. Um, But on a macro, macro perspective, I'm looking forward to seeing a good clean football game from Auburn. It's obviously going to have a lot of rust coming off because it's the first game, a new brand brand new head coach. Um, I think it's just going to be you really needing to take advantage of this Saturday and next Saturday before you um, travel up
1: to Happy Valley for sure. And we haven't really talked about the depth chart because that came out Monday. Sure did. And you know, there's there's some interesting notes about it. There's yeah. there's some guys that we expected to see that aren't on there, but I don't think that matters as much because. The first two weeks, you've got Akron, who, as I said, is a bottom three program in the country. And then you've got Alabama State, who honestly might hold their own against Akron, but they're not much better if they are better.
0: And it's the the second all-time meeting between Auburn and Akron, and it's only the second all-time meeting between Auburn and Alabama State, the first one obviously back in 2018. Right, and
1: I really think that we're going to see the depth chart be sorted out by that Penn State game. Yeah, There might be some mixing and shuffling. It's just a matter of, I think who is playing early on against Alabama State?
0: Is there? I guess we can do that real quick if you'd like, Jacob. Go ahead and just talk about the depth chart real quick before we preview the game. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so anything really on offense that surprised you or anything that stood out to you? Well, I think that's what everyone
1: everyone noticed is, is the wide receiver position, right. Elijah Canyon.
0: Yes, I think
1: Elijah and Canyon was a big thing too. For sure. I just I don't know. I think, like I said, it will be. Something that we see shape out as the first two weeks go on. We don't know if this will look like this. You know, Tavares Dawson Jr., he's a guy that no one really knows unless you've been following the program closely through spring and fall camp because he's kind of made his impressions in practice. So if he comes out and he doesn't really perform in the game, he's a true freshman, then he's not going to get his opportunities in those big games against Penn State in the SEC games.
0: I think the only, like, besides the wide receiver position, the only other thing that really Maybe shocked me or caught my eye um, was that right guard position. I know that Keandre Jones got a lot of playing time last year due to uh, Brandon Council being hurt and the shift in the offensive line. But it's interesting seeing Keandre Jones or
1: Tayshon Manning. I just
0: thought that was something interesting as
1: well. Yeah, it's not. I don't love that the guards aren't settled, but I have a feeling it'll be Council and it'll probably be Manning, right? Because of the experience, and I I really think that they'll. They'll they'll come out and shine. I, I mean, I love counsel, and, you know, I love Jones, what he did last year, but it's probably best to give him some time to develop even more without being thrown into the fire. And he could be an all-SEC guard one day. I, I agree with that completely yeah. because, like I said, you're getting that playing time early on, and he's already been pretty impressive. I think next year, whenever he takes over for Tayshawn Manning, it's going to be his job to lose, and it's going to be his all-SEC – type of year to really come out and shine.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, obviously this was probably the most shocking um, development from any perspective of the depth chart, Uh, more so the nose tackle and the defensive tackle position. Um, And you could have even made
1: a case for the depth of the corner position that Roe Terrence was in there above Dreshaun Miller. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think some of the beat writers, I didn't attend the practice on Saturday, but from what I read is that it's not surprising to them he didn't really rotate in with the ones I think he was injured a little bit so I think it's taking them some time he also arrived in the, in the fall so it, it might take him time to really get fit into the system and really figured out where his spot is so I'm not too concerned about that I think he'll make his name heard throughout the season but he might not be starting off the year like that
0: yeah not to throw any uh throw any dirt on Ro Terrence's name I mean that's a Juco guy he's 6'4 197 he's
1: a Tall,
0: the great thing is, just no
1: one talked about
0: him. Yeah, nobody talked about him. And now he's on the depth chart, and we'll we'll see what he's made of on Saturday. And that speaks a lot to the other corners on Auburn's depth chart for him not being talked about. Roger McCreary, Nehemiah Pritchett, who we were talking about had a breakout year last year when Jalen Simpson went down, and Jalen's closely behind him on the corner um, depth chart. But nonetheless, the corners are stacked. Safeties, it was interesting to see – that by Darius Knighton... Is it by Darius or by Darius? It's by Darius. By Darius. Okay, by Darius Knighton. want to get that right. He is a senior transfer coming in going to be at the starting position with Smoke Monday. Donovan Kaufman, obviously, we're talking about him on the show. Um, we think he'll probably start at that nickel position. He will.
1: Yeah, so he'll still he'll still get a lot of PT. You're going to see Donovan Kaufman all over the field. Yeah. And that's why he's just not kind of listed as a starter because he doesn't really have a position. He can play both safety positions and he can also play that nickel. Right. So he's going to be a great run stop stopper. I think he's. He's not the same as Jamie and Sherwood, but he's going to be playing kind of the same role in a way, just because he can move around the field like crazy, and he's really good in the run game.
0: And then, like I said earlier, with the nose tackle and defensive tackle positions, I mean, Marquise Burks, a senior um, who's been in the program for several years. Obviously, it's a brand-new coaching staff, but defensive tackle transfer Marcus Harris from Kansas. He's going to get the nod over
1: him, and Tony Fair from UAB, yeah. And And there's, I mean, I don't know what else to say there, because it's just a bunch of guys that – we don't really know about, but we've heard good things about them in practice, and we're just kind of looking forward to see what they're about whenever game time hits. You know, it. You know, it's, it's disappointing not to see the freshman Lee Hunter or see Sakevious right. Walker, but I, I still look forward to what they show out. And you know, Walker's at defensive end, but he can play inside a little bit, so. I think there's going to be some shuffling on the defensive line because I think we've talked about that is one of the concerns right. on this. De- it's really the only concern on the defense. So we'll think, see how it shapes out.
0: I think it also says a lot due to the fact that Burks and Pegues are also bigger than Harris and Fair. I mean, Fair's got the weight advantage, but Pegues and Marquise Burks frame-wise are bigger than both of them. They are. That's a lot of uh, a lot of acknowledgement going their way. But um, special teams-wise, no really – can uh, or I should say surprises besides – uh, maybe Oscar Chapman getting the nod over Ada Marshall last year under Malzahn. They both got some playing time.
1: He's an Australian. He, sh- he should win
0: it. Yeah, he should. And Ada Marshall, a guy, like I said, that's been in the program since like 2016 or 2017, left for a year or two and then came back. Um, but nonetheless, and then you have punt return and kick return where it kind of gets interesting. Javarius Johnson, who we mentioned had a great uh, spring and summer camps. Um, he's going to get the punt returning nod as well as Demetrius Davis. And Or, sorry, Demetrius Robertson. That would be interesting. Yeah, and that's something, too, was we were talking about people were saying he was quick like Schwartz. I love it.
1: Yeah. I love it. I I hope that he could really – because Schwartz still never felt like he fulfilled his potential. Never. Robertson's got one chance at it. So he's got to come out and he's got to perform, and he's really got to be the leader of this receiver room because he is the most experienced guy. I truly believe that Bo Nix is going to go to him whenever he really needs a play to be made. So those third downs, he's looking at Robertson.
0: I think he's probably going to be the most reliable guy. For sure. Yeah, reliable is a good word. And then at kick return, you have Donovan Coffin, who we just mentioned, the 5'10", 200-pound redshirt freshman, and Nehemiah Pritchett, two guys, very quick and speedy and very good vision of the field. Um,
1: I find it interesting that Pritchett's out there on kick return.
0: I thought the same thing, um, but nonetheless, I mean... We we saw him on that
1: uh, interception against LSU. He's I, was got just about to say,
0: I was just about to say, even though TJ Finley did track him down. Uh, he was close. He was they close. called it a touchdown originally. Yes. They pulled it back,
1: so... Um, but, yeah, that's the depth chart for Auburn. One thing I want to talk about. Go for it. The holder position. You see who started there. Jackson McFadden. Yeah. So he caught two touchdowns in a, in a scrimmage a few weeks ago. Right. And if you watch this special teams video they had, it was the all-ball, all-about-ball episode two, and it was all about special teams. Well, in the opening segment... It was Brian Harson with a clicker, and he was showing how he was holding the football. Yeah. And he was showing the consistency he had. He showed, I think, maybe six Six clips? or seven clips. Yeah. yeah. And he was showing, this is a different clip, and the ball is in the exact same position. Yeah. And that was all Jackson McFadden. And then later on, they're showing all the, the Tiger Olympics or whatever they did, where they're playing cornhole. They had a home run derby with a tennis racket and a tennis ball in the stadium. Yeah, well, Jackson McFadden's in... Every single one of those. Right. Is he the all-around athlete on this team? I feel like he
0: is. He could be, and that, and that's interesting you make that point because I know a lot of people did see that clip. And now that I'm thinking about it, another thing, too, with the special teams, Jacob Claudelbaum, he graduated high school our year, I believe. Yeah, he did. He was the same holder. So Auburn has had Bill Taylor the last three years because they had Ike Powell before him. Bill graduated, and he's gone now. But if you remember correctly, Bill got hurt in the 2019 season and was out for the last several games Quadril bomb played in the Iron Bowl, and he was a huge reason why Andres Carlson got that kickoff, uh, or the field goal off in time before
1: halftime. You're right, and that that's something I very confident in is our special teams being being good because of guys getting experience like that. And I don't know, McFadden looks good with that that six or seven clips. Show me, okay. He's practicing well. He's going to hold the ball well. And then, like you said, Quattlebaum, he has experience in the biggest moments. Yeah. So I think I think it's safe to say that those, those guys, they're going to be fine.
0: Moving on to Saturday. Let's okay. look at it.
1: I want to know, what do we want to see from this team on Saturday when they go out and they play? Because, obviously, they should win by a lot. And even if they only win by 25 or 30, you can still look for positives. And it's the first game of the Brian Hartson era, so you know if you don't, if you disappoint a little bit, it's not the end of the world. Part of it, yeah, it's part of it.
0: I think for me on offense, the biggest thing, two things: consistent O line play, improvement on that uh, spectrum, and then getting the wide receivers involved a lot. Because here's the thing: Bo beat out Finley, so we know what we're gonna get with Bo. You know, you're easily gonna get a hundred yards from at least at least from Tank and Sean Shivers so you're going to have the ground game. I want to see a consistent O-line play, and I want to see a lot of involvement, a lot of passing to the receivers. We may even see that from the tight ends as well, so I guess you can include that. Defensively, like Jacob said earlier, the D-line was probably the biggest concern coming into this season on the defensive side of the ball. I want to see a lot of havoc up front. We already know what we'll get with the secondary. We don't expect some big passing numbers from Akron anyway. I'd like to see that.
1: Yeah, and I, I, the wide receivers is what I take away from what you said because of... The inexperience there, and what we've seen from Bo Nix on the road in recent years, it hasn't been great. So those two games against Penn State and LSU are the single, the the two most important games on the schedule. But each one individually are the most important games whenever they play them, because if you get past those two games and you win them, you're five and zero going to face Georgia. You are in such a good position, and I think the key to that is Bo Nix having some help from playmakers, right? Like a Kobe Hudson or a Xavion Capers or Demetrius Robertson or even a tight end, John Samuel Shanker, Luke Deal, whoever it is, they need to perform and they need to help Bo Nix out, especially in a wide-out atmosphere against Penn State or in the beating sun in October at 2.30 against LSU because I imagine that'll be the CBS game based on the schedule that week. So if he has help from his playmakers, I know that Bo Nix will be able to perform. he's just, we need the experience, the inexperience, to turn into surprises this year we need them to step up and really take take their role by storm and you mentioned guys around Bo helping him out I mean and that's what I was
0: mentioning with tank earlier he was the 2020 freshman of the year in the SEC ran for 830 yard 34 yards uh, in only 10 games and he returned uh, kicks for 306 total yards um, so I mean he I feel like Bo has the the skill and the athleticism around him. To have a good first few games for the rest of the team to get settled in. It's just going to be interesting to see um, what Mike Bobo has in
1: store for the offense and what Derek Mason has in store for the defense these first several games. So I guess prediction time, just to make a quick one, we we imagine Auburn's going to win, but by how much will it be? They are, I got to find, let me find the spread. I believe they're 37-point favorites, and I think we'll just say, will they cover that? They are 37-point favorites, do they cover that?
0: You know what, I'll say, yeah. I know that it's a new coaching staff, and I know that a lot of people are going to be uh, un- or in or unoptimistic, whatever the correct terminology is, about this game. But I think Auburn has a new juice, and they're going to run out and fly around the field.
1: So I would say they cover. I, I think Auburn wins by 50. I think Akron. Honest. I think Akron doesn't score more than 10 points. Akron's really bad. They're very bad. But we're going to talk about the good games on the other side of this break. When we preview week one of college football, including a lot of games tonight, You're listening to The Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM.
0: Thank you for tuning in to The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find The Scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM, or if you're listening to Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you back to our show. We are Cam Newton days away from kickoff on the planes. That's the best way to put it. I mean, especially with everything going on, we'll get to that later yeah, in the show, okay, but yeah. <laughs> we are Cam Newton days away from kickoff. Anyways, if you want to call in to be a part of the college football conversation, the number you want to dial is 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345, those last four digits spell out Weagle, college football segment of the hour, on the scoreboard, nationally nominated and award-winning radio show, and the longest tenured sports show at WUGL. Kind of wild to think about. It was wild to think about. I didn't think about that until Jack Hart from Compact Discourse had me on this morning and introduced me um, as the better half of the scoreboard and then said uh-huh, those uh-huh. statistics. Anyways, before we get into predictions. Let, let's look at Week 0 for
1: half a second.
0: Yeah, Jacob, Jacob, what's I'm going to let you take the reins real quick talking about our good old friend Scott Frost so, in Nebraska.
1: So obviously, uh, Nebraska did not have a good showing in their Week 0 matchup against Illinois. They start off the season 0-1 in Big Ten play rep bill and like it's his first win as the illinois head coach but that really isn't the story because illinois really jumped out they got the safety off that wild weird pump return the decision to throw it out of the end zone was crazy and then they go up by a few scores and nebraska starts to fight back but they can't quite uh finish off the comeback well on monday in his press conference he was asked about it and scott frost said that when illinois came out lined up the way they did Nebraska threw out half their playbook. What a or great their, or thing not to their say. playbook, their game plan. Yeah, but, what a great thing to say. I mean, really? Remember Scott Frost, the guy that beat Auburn after they lost in the 2017 SEC championship and they won the Peach Bowl and they were national champions, as I throw up air quotes. That's what UCF said. And then Nebraska was just begging for Scott Frost to come home, and he did. And it is not going off well. That's <laughs> terrible. I saw I saw a funny tweet where it said uh, Scott Frost's top fifteen wins at Nebraska, and it, he doesn't have fifteen wins, so it stops <laughs> at number twelve with like McNeese State or somebody.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, what a. So I told Jacob somebody mentioned on Twitter
1: that that was like a similar Tom Herman hire. Uh, I think I think it'll, I think it'll work out like that. This I think it'll be worse if he doesn't win a Big Ten game this year. Which if
0: he they play if
1: they played Rutgers, yeah, they would probably get a win, but. I'm going to be honest, he could be gone before the season's over. They, th- Oh, my goodness. Hey, did you realize they play at Oklahoma this year? God bless the Cornhuskers going down there. September 18th, so before Auburn plays the same day Penn Auburn State, plays Penn State, you can, oh, man. you can watch Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler do damage. Their last three games. This is November 6th, November 20th, and November 26th. Host Ohio State, go to Camp Randall, play Wisconsin, and then you host Iowa to end the year. R.I.P. There's no way that he's still there. They also do not play Rutgers, so they don't get that easy Big Ten
0: win. They might fire him before that three-game stretch just think to save it them that misery. Very possible. Goodness gracious, there's just a f- constant garbage or dumpster fire, I should say, going on in Nebraska right now. There is. But nonetheless, we have football tonight. We had football last night. We had football on last Saturday. Our hometown UAB Blazers crushed Jacksonville State 31 to nothing. Let's get into it. Tonight's matchup, we have Ohio State at Minnesota, 7 p.m. on Fox. I think we
1: all know how this one's going to go. I just figured I'd mention it. it. Yeah, it's worth mentioning Ohio State starting freshman quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays. Of course, C.J. Stroud, he he was competing against a bunch of other guys with no experience. So I could see them playing a bunch of quarterbacks tonight, especially if they get out ahead and there's no chance of Minnesota winning this game. I do think Ohio State will cover this game and, and – and, and, We'll see a good C.J. Stroud. I think he is the guy for Ohio State.
0: Yeah, I think think it's just going to be another dominant Ohio State quarterback after hearing about him. Um, Nonetheless, just a tune-up game for Ohio State, even though it is a Big Ten game. I don't think Minnesota is going to be that good this year. I think they lost a lot of key guys from last year. So, Buckeyes, they're going to roll on opening night. So, let's go ahead and move down. Tomorrow night, Friday, September 3rd, 5 o'clock on ESPN to get the night started off. We have number 10, North Carolina and Sam Howell traveling to Virginia Tech and entering Sandman.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be obviously the first time with a full crowd of Virginia Tech since COVID hit. That's going to be an electric crowd. I still think that Sam Howell is going to dominate the beginning of this year. I think he's going to go off. He could be a Heisman candidate. I think he will be. I think he'll be in in New York for sure. Um, I think this will be the start of everyone saying, okay, this guy is for real. Because last year he had a few good games, but no one really talked about him because of the other quarterbacks and the other players like Devontae Smith in college football, I think t- tomorrow night is whenever he starts it. But, but after you're done with this, go back to Thursday night because remember. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Uh, I just completely looked over that.
0: North Carolina at Virginia Tech. I'm going to go ahead and give mine real quick. Like Jacob said, Sam Howe, that was a guy that we thought was going to face up against Bo Nix last year in Atlanta. Um, again, I'm very high on Sam Howe. I think one day he's possibly going to get his name called up in New York at the Heisman Ceremony. Um, He'll probably be the number
1: one overall pick next year.
0: He could be, if it's not Kayvon Thibodeau or somebody of the likes. But um, Depends
1: on the needs of the team with the number one pick. Exactly.
0: Um, nonetheless, I think it's going to be a very close game. I don't think Virginia Tech has enough to get an upset, um, but due to it being right before nightfall and full capacity back, I think North Carolina squeaks out by one or two scores.
1: So Thursday night. Yeah, let's, let's rewind. Let, let's just rewind a little bit because this is a matchup with two very, very Close ties to Auburn. In the bounce house, UCF hosts Boise State, obviously. Brian Harson came from Boise, Idaho, and former Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn is leading the UCF Knights now, along with a lot of former Auburn players, Nate Craig Myers, Big Cat Bryant, Cam Martin. I think he's down there as a coach. Trey Williams
0: is still a coach there. Right. Uh, the defense coordinator is Ma- Travis Williams. Mark Anthony Richards is there. There's a lot of
1: guys down there. Joey Gatewood's there. Yes, he is. I don't know if he's eligible, but he's down he there. He is eligible. He is? Mm-hmm. Wow. He was granted eligibility. Dylan Gabriel will be the starting quarterback for UCF. Just, and- another,
0: just another event that Auburn's going to take part or claim ownership in. Not owners, but you know what I'm saying. What All saying. our fans will be invested in it.
1: You're right. Well, I think that UCF will win.
0: I think Boise I, wins. I think it'll
1: be very close. I think Boise wins. If there's a six-and-a-half-point line, I have Boise covering. But UCF with Dylan Gabriel back, they win that game. I think Boise goes on the road and gives
0: Gus Malzahn the first loss of his career at UCF. It, first it, game, first loss.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how UCF plays out this year because of they go to they go to Louisville, they go to Navy and back-to-back weeks. Not back-to-back weeks, but they have a bye week in between them.
0: Here's my th- here's my thing with Boise, let's see. Uh I'm trying to pull it up right here. Um Where's the stats? I'm sorry. No, that's just not what I'm trying to click on. Anyways, I just really like Boise State in this game. I'm and also I think it's a little more impartial to me wanting to make some connection between Brian Harson doing good at Auburn and if <laughs> Boise State does good, I think the thing,
1: there's a positive for Auburn fans no matter what tonight. Yeah.
0: I mean, here's the deal. Auburn fans can't really lose. Exactly. They kind of win both ways. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're both differing on that game. Our opinions differ. Anyways, let's go ahead and move to Saturday. Um, nothing else really notable for Friday night, September the 3rd. Saturday, let's see. Penn State, the number 19th ranked team in the nation who Auburn plays week three, will be traveling to Camp Randall and facing off against the number 12 Wisconsin Badgers at 11
1: a.m. What are we thinking about this game? I don't buy Penn State this year. I really don't. And, of course what how they perform against Wisconsin and how Sean Clifford does because the offense last year was the issue. Yeah. Of course they have Noah Cain back as well. They they've they've got talent, but I just don't know if they're going to go into Camp Randall. They're going to Camp Randall, right? Yes. I don't know if they're gonna go in there and win that game. And I think Wisconsin wins it pretty handily.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't know much or I don't believe in Sean Clifford as much um, as you probably should in a guy that's a fifth year senior.
1: Um, I mean, when they play as bad as they did last year,
0: yeah. How can you? Yeah, I don't. And also, again, for the sake that I just don't want them to have a winning record when they face Auburn. Um, I like Wisconsin in this matchup. I think that they're gonna use that home field advantage to their advantage. Um, I think Wisconsin takes down Penn State at home and an easy win. Not even not a blowout, but I think they get an easy win. Okay. Alabama versus Miami, 2.30 p.m. on ABC in the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta. Okay.
1: Here's the real question. We know what we're going to pick. But how many yards does Bryce Young throw for? Over, under, 300. I say under. I think he barely goes over. I think there's like 315. I think I think Saban's going to let him in there for the majority of the game, no matter how bad they're winning.
0: I think it's going to be like 280 or 290, yeah. just because Alabama lost so many receivers besides Mechie last year. Okay. Um, he doesn't have Demonte Smith or any of those guys. I think they're going to try and run the ball a lot, but I do think I will say this: I think it'll be a higher scoring game than people think. Yeah, because they have De'Eric King back. Rhett Lashley's still there. He's a great offensive mind. We, he, we've seen that from when he's been at Miami. Um, I think <laughs> obviously Bama wins. But to answer your question, I think Bryce Young throws for under 300 yards.
1: They're over under 61. So I, at, you think that's going to go over? I think score like 45-20. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's not going to be like a one or two score game, but Miami's not going to get like shut out
1: below like 20 or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. I do think that Alabama's defense is going to be special this year. Those really? lineback, that linebacker room, yeah. I think is incredible, and it looks like the 2011, 2012 type linebacker room.
0: Yeah. I think the second and third quarter, their defense will really dominate. I think the first quarter will be a lot of rust knocking off, and then the fourth quarter, those kind of.
1: If Will Anderson has his way, I don't think they'll get to tw- Miami will get to 20 points mm-hmm. just because. He led the SEC. He's a leading returner in sacks in the SEC, and I think he's going to get that up to double-digit sacks this year. Right. it's seven last year, so.
0: But we both have the Alabama Crimson Tide. That game, obviously, 2.30 on ABC, Central Time, that is. Uh, Indiana at Iowa, number 17 versus
1: 18, Big Ten matchup. Who do we have? I love that the Big Ten has these has all these it's a great matches matchup. early on. Yeah. And I've got Indiana. I'm it to the Hoosiers this year, and I really do think that they're going to come close again back to the Big Ten title game. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough because of their division. They right. had to face, they had to beat out Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. But I think they'll come close. I think they'll fight Ohio State. They play Ohio State October twenty third, so that is the key game. They also they also have to face Cincinnati in two weeks. Week three is loaded with games because Indiana Cincinnati will be fun at eleven a.m.
0: My prediction for this game...
1: Indiana. That's who I have. Yeah,
0: I was about to say, just real quick. My prediction for this game, I'm actually going to go with Iowa. I know uh, Pennix Jr. was second team All-Big Ten last year. But I think, if I remember correctly, Iowa's got a really good secondary returning. And it's home field. I'm a huge home field guy. I got to go with Iowa. I think they're going
1: to win. I think that's... Kinnick is great. Yeah. I want to visit there one
0: day. Yeah, and the children's hospital wave. Right. It's a great tradition. Okay, before we wrap up and have to go to break... Do we have any—actually,
1: no. Before we do the Georgia-Clemson game real quick, do you have a quick upset pick that you can give? I do. and In the rankings, it doesn't look like an upset because it's 23 versus 21, but out in Austin, you know, future SEC uh, participant, Texas is facing off against Louisiana. They are a nine-point favorite over the Ragin' Cajuns. Give me Louisiana straight up. I don't dislike it. Because they are returning so much. They are returning 90-plus percent of their production last year. Levi Lewis is coming back, that lefty quarterback. I love Louisiana this year. I mean, and Billy Napier, he's a great coach. Before Brian Harsin was in the picture, I wanted Billy Napier from Louisiana. So this is a great matchup to watch. I If you look at the schedule for Louisiana, and if they get past Texas, they will be undefeated in November when they play Liberty. My quick upset pick.
0: UCLA over LSU in the Rose Bowl. Okay. Uh, LSU's ranked. Uh, they're ranked 16th. I like UCLA, though. They've already played a game so far this year. Zach Charbonnet, their running back, ran for over 100 yards and three touchdowns last week, only off of six carries. I was say, he could have
1: ran for 300.
0: Yeah, he had a good week. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson didn't have a great game, but, I mean, he did enough. It was a sufficient win. It was against Miami, but still. I think a night game in the Rose Bowl, I think UCLA controls that. And then real quick, the biggest game, Georgia and Clemson in Death Valley.
1: Give me Clemson. Too, I like many, too many guys are out for Georgia.
0: Mm. I think so. I'm going to go with Georgia. It's
1: actually not in Death Valley. Yeah. it's Charlotte.
0: I'm going to go with Georgia. So it's
1: basically Death Valley. I, th-
0: <laughs> I think JT Daniels is going to do enough for the Dogs early on this year. I think they have a lot of confidence with him rolling in compared to Clemson's offense. On the other side of the break is a scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Don't go anywhere. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM.
1: You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Just finished up our week one college football discussion previewing Auburn-Akron as well as all the top games across the country. If you missed that, we'll be uploading the Podcasts after the show. You can find that wherever you find podcasts. But let's move on to some sad news. As you said, it's Cam Newton days to kick off. Well, unfortunately, Cam Newton is not currently on an NFL roster. Auburn Cam Newton days to kick right, off. Right, you're right.
0: Tomorrow will be an NFL Cam Newton days to
1: kick <laughs> off. <laughs> well, at least number zero now. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, technically, he doesn't have a jersey. Did you see that tweet where somebody said... Oh, my gosh. I think the news of him getting cut came out. I sent the, that text in our group chat, like, at 9 or 9.15. It was early it was in the morning, morning, yeah. Yeah, and somebody tweeted at, like, 8 a.m. They said, uh, so happy my Cam Newton jersey just came out. Oh, in. no. Like, a Nike NFL. Well,
1: you th- remember they, I think a few years ago, there was a big thing where everyone was, like, as soon as someone would get traded in the NBA, they would do the thing. Well, basically, every league has their, if a guy gets traded within, like, two weeks that you got your jersey, you could trade it in because...
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully they'll hold up that for that end of the
1: bargain for that guy, but that was very unfortunate. But it's Mac Jones times in New England. What we'll talk about Cam Newton? Where? What happens? What
0: happens to him? I completely agree with what Cam said. There's not 32 guys in the league that are better than him. Uh, he's not going to Dallas. We he might be number
1: 30, but he no, yeah. yeah, no, yeah.
0: I mean, he's definitely not in the top 10 or 15 currently. He can be, but. Uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the back half of the quarterbacks. I mean, looking at his career stats, he's 60.1 completion percentage. He's thrown for almost 32,000 yards, has 190 throwing touchdowns. I mean, this dude is definitely one of the better better quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, he hasn't been lately, obviously, I mean, with his injuries and everything that happened towards his, the end of his Carolina career and then now right. with him in, Carol- or in New England. I mean, he's 32 years old, so – He's kinda ending his career in the NFL. So I feel like he doesn't have many
1: opportunities left. He does not. And he's been dealing with the injuries for a while. I don't I think last year he was fine most of the way. He had COVID for a few weeks, but injury-wise, he was mostly fine. I think he dealt with some stuff where they will say, Yeah, he's day to day or whatever. But now it's it's to the point where you're worried about his age, especially because of the way he played. His play style his first ten years in the league, he's running the ball like crazy. And I mean, I think he has the most rushing touchdowns of anyone in the NFL since his rookie year. So he's taking a beating. He he he's he's definitely wearing down a little bit, but he still shows flashes of how good he can be. Like I remember like the first few games last year. That Seattle game.
0: Like, do you remember those first few first few games? Uh, and everybody was like, Cam Newton's back because they were like, new team. He's got Bill Belichick, and then we also realized
1: Cam's O line wasn't great and he had no weapons around him. Exactly. And I don't know if the next situation, because I, I've really got four teams that I think are candidates to sign him, and I'm not sure if any of them are great fits, but it's it's kind he's kind of limited in his options. you want to name them? Yes. Cowboys. They're not anymore. They signed Will Greer. They did? They picked him up, yeah. Okay, well. Because Carolina got rid of him. Three teams. Yeah. Washington football team. Okay. Broncos. And the Texans.
0: You know what? And I'm not going to disagree. I'd probably put those three at my top teams as well. Um, Washington, obviously, with Riverboat Ron. Yep. Uh, even though they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, you're not oh, going to. Who's who's their backup? Exactly. But so also, can... it's like, are you going to put Ryan Fitzpatrick out there that's going to guarantee you either a 500 or a little bit better season? Or are you going to put Cam Newton out there, who's been to the Super Bowl three-time Pro Bowler and has won the MVP?
1: Well, and I think that the Washington offense is so dynamic. You've got Gibson, McLaurin. They signed Curtis Samuel this year. Logan Thomas might be a great tight end. Their offensive line could probably use a little word, but it's good enough. Well, and here's the thing weapons. I was about
0: saying their defense is good enough for a mediocre offense.
1: That defense is great.
0: So if their offense is going to turn out to be mediocre, then their defense will be able to keep them in the game.
1: And I don't see, I think that is their floor, their offense being mediocre. Yeah. And, that, and that'll be good enough. Whereas I think they have the opportunity if Fitzpatrick comes out, you know or Cam, if they sign him, and plays really well, that could be a top-tier offense, a top-ten offense at that. So I I really
0: like the Washington move. The Denver move. I know they just said that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be their starting quarterback and and they they still have Drew Locke, but come on.
1: They were trying to get Aaron Rodgers like crazy this year. Of course, Aaron Rodgers versus Cam Newton, that's not comparable. But I don't think they trust either Teddy B or Drew Locke.
0: The only reason I wouldn't say so is because Denver's also on the cutting of Auburn football players train.
1: They are. They are for sure. And <laughs> Seth, I don't Williams, know if we're, you didn't get that reference. We're, we're gonna we're gonna We're gonna ignore the rest of the Auburn football. <laughs> it has been a kidding. bad few. It was tough. I think ten weeks. guys got cut. But I could see them going after Cam though. I d see the issue is you, you really only had two active guys at quarterback on game day. So it, if they signed Cam. They really do not trust Drew Locke. No. And they really want to see what Camp has to do so that they can put Drew Locke on the practice squad or trade him.
0: I'd be interested interested to see what Teddy B would look like there compared to what he looked like in Carolina. Better, I, worse? I really don't know. I mean, you don't have a Christian McCaffrey.
1: You're, but, I mean, his his help is just bleh. I mean, he really didn't have Christian McCaffrey last year either. Yeah, that's, that's fair. So he's got Melvin Gordon, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and Noah Fance as his kind of a one starter. of the better tight ends. And I say Mel and Gordon, but Javante Williams probably end up being the starter. And you say Jerry Judy, but he also dropped a lot of balls last year, so he did. But look, if you look behind him, I don't recognize any of these names exactly. So I don't know what the talent is scarce there.
0: Now Houston, that really depends on what happens with Deshaun because he's thinking about Miami.
1: I don't think there's any chance he plays for Houston this year
0: for a multitude of reasons. I'm not going to. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I'm not going to get into it, but... It's Tyra it,
1: Taylor right now.
0: Was it... Yeah, Tyra Taylor. Was it Carolina looking into... Or vice versa, looking into him, or he was looking into going to Carolina? Into
1: Watson? Yes. The There were reports about the Panthers and the Dolphins trying to trade for him. Okay.
0: So, it really depends on what happens with him, but let's say virtually he, he does leave
1: Houston. Not bad for them to pick up Cam. Wait, well, right now, he's listed as their third-string quarterback. Yeah. So... I would say they because who's Davis Mills? Couldn't tell you. I, I mean, I'm going to look at what college he went to, but no matter what, he went to Stanford. Okay, I know who he is now. But yeah. still, that is not who they want to be at backup quarterback. No. So bringing in Cam, especially if Tyrod doesn't really perform, I like the talents in Houston. Yeah. Mark Ingram, David Johnson, Phillip Lindsey, Rex Burkhead are your four running backs. Those are all names that you recognize. Yeah, They might be a little old. They might be a little washed, but wide receiver, Brandon Cooks, Chris Connolly, Anthony Miller. Cooks, really good. Connolly Miller, they can be. And then in tight end, you got Jordan Akins, who meh. Last year he he's out of UCF. And, you know, he he had 37 receptions last year, but he didn't score very many touchdowns. Here's
0: here's the thing. Before before we go to break, let's discuss this real quick. Okay. Because this has been a hot topic too on a lot of sports talk shows. Where does this put New England? in
1: their in position in their division and their conference in general. In their division, I still think they're third. I don't think Cam Newton would have changed that. I still think, I I'm high on the Dolphins. Their mm-hmm. defense is kinda of similar to the uh to Washington, where their defense is going to do so much for them. I think they're healthier this year on defense. They are and yeah. I mean Xavier Howard was so good last year. High towers back. I think Tua will be better. And I love Miles Gaskin, Parker, Waddle. I don't it's he he had a he had to walk off the field with an injury. It doesn't show him as an injury designation on ESPN, so I guess he's fine. But Gasicki, I love this Miami team. Yeah, so I think they're second behind the Bills. Yeah, I think Bills are obviously going to be first. Yeah. Josh Allen is is about to run the division like Tom Brady did. Yes, and that's not because whoa, he's Tom Brady. It's not because he's Tom Brady level. It's just I don't like the rest of the teams in the division. Okay, yeah. So,
0: um, somebody on one of the analysts on ESPN the other day said something about he thinks that. Mac Jones can win the AFC now.
1: I will say, okay, that's crazy. Or get up there. I will say, I think they will be very close to a wild card spot. I can see it. I kind of feel like now the issue with that is the AFC North is still out there, and obviously the Browns, Browns and Ravens. I don't know the Steelers. Steelers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the Steelers will do this year, but the Browns and Ravens are going to be up there.
0: And then the AFC West. I mean, you have the Chargers with Herbert coming back. You still have Mahomes. You have.
1: uh, Well, my thing is. In the South and West, they're getting they're getting one team. I think that they will get their division winners, and I don't really see, I don't really see the Colts, Texans, or Jaguars no. compete with the Titans. And I don't see the Broncos, Raiders. If Justin Herbert were really good, sure, but I don't see either three of those teams. He, he could be pretty good. He could be, but I, I'm not buying him yet. I think this year will be his. It'll be a stepping stone, and then next year he'll really take over. So that's that leaves you with the AFC East and AFC North for the wild card spots, and I think that the AFC East could really. Have a chance at having the Dolphins and Patriots in if if the Browns or Ravens, whoever doesn't win the division, kind of disappoints.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I don't think their they're championship, AFC championship level, like no. whoever, who, I don't know who it was. I'm literally picturing him in my mind right now. Um, I think in the years to come, sure. Matt, I think Mac Jones will be good
1: with, devel- with development. But here's
0: sure. the thing Are we really going to be surprised that this happened when you draft a quarterback 15th overall? Shouldn't be. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised.
1: Yeah. I you know maybe the timing of it, sure, like I right was, before the season. Right. I was surprised it took this long for Cam to get cut. Not I mean, not that I was thinking, okay, he's I mean, he's for sure getting cut, but it was kind of like the writings on the wall and the fact that it took this long is wild. There's a lot of teams out there that could potentially pick up Cam.
0: There's teams that might be getting rid of their quarterback soon that could pick up Cam, like maybe Minnesota. Um there's several teams out there that could pick him
1: up. Yeah, the quarterback situation in the NFL right now is Kind of different than it usually is because of all the rookies that came in this year. So many rookie quarterbacks. All right, so Wilson, Lance. I'm not even going to name them all, but you really, really don't have a lot of options for Cam Newton. Like I said, three options I the Broncos aren't even that great of an option because there's two guys that could be starters, and then the Texans are just because. And Washington has quarterback Fitzmagic, which I mean, he's a veteran, so. I'm looking at backup options because there's so limited options at the starting position. But that does it for our discussion on Cam Newton's release from the New England Patriots and and how this impacts his career and the New England Patriots. On the other side of this break, we're talking Major League Baseball playoff chase. Stay tuned to the scoreboard on Weagle91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com one more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day thank you for listening to today's episode of the scoreboard with bay marks and jacob hillman we hope you have enjoyed listening you can
0: listen to us every thursday at 2 p.m on wegl 91.1 fm or at weglfm.com final segment here on the scoreboard wegl 91.1 fm bay marks and jacob hillman back for the last few minutes of the scoreboard september 2nd 2021 two days away from game day if you want to call in and be a part of the mlb playoff discussion Three three four eight four four Weagle. That's three three four eight four four nine three forty five. The scoreboard, nationally nominated, award-winning radio show. Jacob Hillman, alongside myself, Bay Marks. And we'll be playoff races. We're going to get into it. Uh, a lot of different. What's the word I'm looking for? A lot of different, not scenarios, but storylines going on right now right. within the playoff races, uh, in the American League and in the National League, the different divisions. Uh, the American League East is just completely stacked. Then you look over in the National League, the Dodgers finally taking over the NL West lead from the San Francisco Giants. Um, The Atlanta Braves holding on to their lead two games above the Phillies in the NL East. Barely. Barely. Two-game lead. Um, And the Red Sox fighting off the athletics for a wild-card spot. So lots and lots of things going on right now um, in the MLB um, Jacob, I guess give us a Braves report before we move on to the bigger picture stuff.
1: So it wasn't great in LA. Out west, it was it, it's not been good, but they faced the Rockies, who are not a very good team, 61-72. But the thing is, them getting that series win against the Giants kind of saved them because getting swept by the, the Dodgers, Aussie Albies going down. It he'll be back, but it, it's just it was not a good trip out west to start off. And, of course, I mean, they're 4-6 in the last 10. You you had those two losses to the Yankees in the midweek. You get the Series 1 against the Giants, but then you just get swept. I mean, you didn't even get dominated by the Dodgers. You lose 5-3, 3-2, 4-3. And the reason you lose that first game is because Drew Smiley gives up. Three. Smiley got wrecked. I mean, he was throwing 90-mile-per-hour fastballs right down the heart of the plate. Well, you can't do that against, against Max Muncy, Mookie Betts. And who hit the other one? It was Will Smith. Seager might have hit one, but I think he hit... was off. Smiley. Yeah, he was off. A guy. Uh, one I game series, yeah. Yeah, I, you know it's. I hate saying you have to get one of those games, but I feel like you kind of had to. Yeah, and I don't, it might not matter if if the Braves won the division. It does. It won't end up mattering, but I just I hate going on road trips, and you have a four game series against a bad team, and you feel like you have to. The pressure. There's so much pressure on the Braves to win this series three to one at least. You cannot lose two games yeah. because if you do, the Phillies are nipping at your heels. And I don't know who they face in the next series. They're playing the Nationals currently, but after that, they might have a tough tough go at it. After that, but no, they don't. They have Miami. So if you go two and two, you probably don't have the series. The just uh, the division lead after that.
0: Well, it says a lot that y'all are even in the position you're in right now. After losing Acuna, I mean, Ozuna, obviously, we're not going to get into that. Albies got hurt. Uh, But he's going to be fine. I think his x-rays were negative, weren't they? They were. Yeah, so he'll be fine. But point being, without your star-studded
1: outfielder. The good thing about this upcoming stretch for the Braves, so you you, you get the Rockies four games on the road. But then you get six games against the Nationals and Marlins and another three against the Rockies before you head out west to San Francisco and Arizona and San Diego. If you, I mean, let's be real. do some math. Okay, that that's nine plus four, thirteen. Eleven and two. Go eleven and two, and I'm happy because he seems stink. And you did it earlier. You want you? I mean, they went on the road at Miami and Washington. Won all six of those games, and then went to Baltimore. Won all three of those, and they had a nine and no road trip. Do it again. I don't. If you lose one to Colorado in this first four games, fine and then you lose one to either Washington or Miami, fine. But don't lose more than that. That, That's all I'll say is because those games are at home. You do not even need to be losing home games to really bad teams. Well, moving on. Looking at the Red Sox. Because I don't don't like getting mad about the Braves, but that's that's where I'm at. (laughs) The Red Sox are now sitting
0: at a 72.9% chance to hit the playoffs after a late skid through July and August. I mean, it was just absolutely ugly. It's tough. the first half of our season, our winning precision percentage was six hundred four. Now it's four sixty five. Red Sox have been skidding lately. I'm going to be honest; it seems like a different reason every night. Um, like I said earlier, we played the Rays uh, in our series this past week down in Tampa Bay. It wasn't at home uh, at Fenway, uh, and we took one of three. Um, actually, we played them tonight too at six ten. I thought it was a three game series, but so far we're one and two against the Rays. Um, and we play them tonight, maybe we can even up at a 2-2 series because they're in the lead in our division. A stacked AL East like it has been all year, but the Yankees, I mean, they've really been the talk of it lately. They went on that 13-game winning streak. Um, they're still 6-4 and in their last 10, and it really speaks volumes that Tampa Bay is 9-1 huh. in their last 10.
1: I mean, that, that, it's wild that the Yankees win 13 straight games and they're still not in the division lead. And the Rays, they're still a force to be reckoned with like yeah. they were in their playoff run last year.
0: And we're nine, of, or nine games behind them right now. I think our wild card lead against the Athletics is only one game?
1: It's two games. Two games. And here's the thing. Yes, you sure. I do not trust any of those teams that are nipping at the Red Sox heels to actually do something. Yeah. The Athletics are the team I trust the most, but we've seen them go on skids where I don't know what their schedule looks like the rest of the way, but I'm pretty sure it's difficult. I'm pretty sure they play a bunch of those West teams that are not easy to beat. Yeah, they've got the White Sox series. They've got uh, two Astros series. So it'll be interesting to see how the Athletics do. They're the they're the one team I give a chance to come for that second wild card spot. The Mariners, no. Yeah. And then the team after that, I mean, who was it? It doesn't really matter. It's going to be the Jays. Blue Jays, yeah. Yeah, no. I I, I really think that it's, it's between the Red Sox and the Athletics. And if the Yankees were to skid a little bit, that those three teams badly for those two spots. Here's the thing,
0: and I'm pulling up the schedule right now because I believe, as I'm scrolling down, yeah, we end our seat. We don't even play uh, the athletics the rest of the season, but here's the rest of our schedule. We face Cleveland at home, then Tampa Bay again at home. So if we beat Tampa Bay tonight, win a few against Cleveland, and beat Tampa Bay a few more times at home, that's huge. That could really swing a lot of things, especially if the Yankees go on a skid. And we host the Yankees at home towards the end of the season. Um, we have a few other give, gimme series like Baltimore and Washington, um, and we play at Seattle and at Chicago, so those can be difficult, but the thing is, is I think the Red Sox do make the playoffs. Agreed. I think they make the playoffs. It's just, once we get there, there's no telling how deep we go.
1: Well, I mean, if you have to play the Yankees, that that's horrible. That's horrible. Because they'll be at home, too, likely, if you're, if you're not in the first playoff spot. Which,
0: remember, we were 9-0 and against the Yankees, like halfway point through this year, and then we got swept by them in New York or if not nearly.
1: Well their pitching is finally good. Yeah. That's that's the issue. Well they're healthy now. Yes, and you know, I I don't I don't like to doubt the Red Sox because I think I, I think I doubt them their World Series year. Dude, we were insanely dominant. Exactly. Year. And I just I think the Red Sox can win that wild card game against the Yankees, but I would not want to play it because it's that would be a dog fight. It would be a battle until the ninth inning so
0: I think it's our pitching's got to pick it up so who's the
1: who's first in the AL
0: it's Is the it Rays. it's the Rays. yeah
1: that would be a fun series I'd love to see that yeah Red Sox Rays, in the division series sign me up <laughs> it'd be insane I also want to see the Braves play but I think they get swept in the division series by the Brewers so it doesn't even matter
0: there's no telling what would happen if y'all in the playoffs probably an another injury Maybe. Probably. Well, fingers not, or fingers crossed that that does not happen. Next week, we'll be back on Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Baymarks and Jacob Hillman. Hopefully our MLB teams are doing a little bit better by
1: then. If they're not, look out because we are <laughs> playing bad, bad teams.
0: Thanks for listening to the School Board, WEGL 91.1 FM. Catch the podcast on all podcasting platforms right after the show today. You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at
1: wegl underscore au.